Welcome to this, welcome to this Voices in Podcast. I'm your host, John Gutierrez, with your co-host, Adam Garcia. And it's been a long minute. We can say that. It has been a hot minute indeed, you know. Um, we had some stuff going on that um, we're obviously not going to discuss. But yeah, that's the reason why we're trying to come back. We're going to try maybe every Monday, I think. And not every Monday, every other Monday. So every two weeks, maybe, is what we're looking at right now. We're going to have to figure it out. But we're also, back. This, also, this break has been unexpected, by the way. We I mean, mm-hmm. didn't do this on purpose. Yes, unexpected things happened. Just forgive us on that. But we're giving you this episode here, so I guess. Um, anything else, John? You want to add? Mm, nothing really, uh, other than like we, other than like we did, we did move into a, a room where we can record separately, six feet apart, because of COVID. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Again, wash your hands and stuff. All right. Let's get into this, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about, and we're going to start it off with some NASCAR, which we haven't talked about in a hot minute. I think the last time we talked about it was was when Jimmy Johnson got COVID. Yeah, that, that's the last time. So now we're bringing it back because it is officially over for the season. The Cup Series is over, and the winner was Chase Elliott taking home the win. Brad Keselowski was in second. Joey Logano, third. Denny Hamlin, fourth. And Jimmy Johnson came in fifth. Also, also, we got to give you a special tribute to Jimmy Johnson because he <clears throat> yes. is a legend in our sport, in the sport, and and one of the greatest of all time. And um, he's had like kind of like the last few years, he's been kind of up and down, up and down. But overall, he's had a pretty good career. A historic driver, first driver to win five year championships in five years. Like he's an amazing driver and and good person. Yes, he is my favorite NASCAR driver of all time. So I I loved like watching him, especially when I was younger than right now. That was whenever I really got into NASCAR at first. Now I kind of drifted away into other sports, but you know, I just love Jimmy Johnson. You know, like when I heard he was retiring after the season, you know, it finally brought back memories to me. And I started getting emotional a little bit because like he's the person I grew up watching the most. But yeah, his career is unfortunately over now. And I guess we'll see what he does out of outside of NASCAR now. But let's talk about the Cup Series. All right, John, since you know more about NASCAR than me, um, I'll yes, let you... Yes, because I, I pay attention to the sport. <laughs> I watch races occasionally when the Eagles don't play. But it, it was in Phoenix, but usually there was a fun race was in Phoenix. But in, in a regular season, it would be in Homestead. But since like all the COVID stuff, they decided to put... Homestead in earlier, where I think Kevin Harvick won that race, but in Phoenix, the the expected favorite, like going into the race, was Kevin Harvick, even though he was out of the chase because because um he tried to wreck out Kyle Busch and Martinsville in the final lap to try to get in in the fourth spot to knock out Denny Hamlin, but it didn't happen. 
because he turned himself around and he's at now the chase. But he's expected favorite because he had nine wins going into the season and he is the best driver in Phoenix. So that's why a lot of people on the betting lines expect him to win. But it didn't really look like that in the entire race because like Harvick was like was like mid top ten to like fifteen. It was the race was mostly dominated by Chase Elliott and Joey Logano, which in stage one it was a battle between Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin, where where it was where it was dominated by Joey Logano for most of the race for most of the stage one, while Denny Hamlin just looked like the slower car and had a little trouble had a little trouble just trying to get around him. It looked like he kind of got loose some, in some turns, but. The car is mostly, mostly um, recommended. Well, went to high, went to high lane, where, where the black stuff was on the track. If you watch the race, but in stage one, Joey Logano won stage one, leading every single lap in that stage, and led half the laps in stage two. But he got bumped out by Chase Elliott for for the lead, and then got passed by Brad Keselowski, which, which um, in the in the final lap, they were racing it out and. And practice last key point, an aggressive move on Chase Elliott in the final turn, and I think in turn turn four, and it, it worked, and he won stage two surprisingly, and the final stage when green flag pit stops really mattered. So the first one to get out of pit road was Chase Elliott, which had the best crew. I, I had top five crew. And then second was Joey Logano, then third, then Hamlin, and fourth, Brad Keselowski, which, by the way, I, th- I think um, Brad Keselowski's pit crew kind of cost him because because he did come in he did come in um, sooner than Chase Elliott, but he but I think it was like um, rear tire rear tire changer slipping or Jack not not, not putting up the car, but they did take significantly, significantly long for that pit stop and that was ultimately what cost him the race and that's why they finished second but i i think that if they if they would have had like a much quicker pit stop i think he would have competed with chase elliott like how he did in stage two but that really didn't happen because stage three after he got out of the pits was chase elliott which was dominating the race at the time because like he he did the like all all like half the laps in stage two and then in stage three he let like I think like almost all of them. While um it was it was like in the beginning it was between against Chase Elliott and Joey Logano like how it was for the first half stage two but but he but he passed him cleanly this time Chase Elliott and he took the lead for quite a while and and that's how it stayed for for most of the race because because they they were they were too far ahead behind. While while um, Joey Logano was second for most of the race, he got passed by Brad Keselowski in the, in, in the last couple laps, and that's why he finished second. Joey Logano finished third, and Danny Hamlin brought out, got fourth. Which, by the way, um, Hendrick like Hendrick for Chase brought out a new car for Phoenix. Penske for Joey Logano brought brought out the car that they wanted in, in Phoenix in the earlier earlier in the season before he before COVID got got to the season and then canceled the season for two months and Brad Kislowski and 
and then you have like brought new cars and this was like the best of the best that they that, that all four teams had to offer and and it looked like Hendrick won and this is our first championship since tw- this 2016 and Chase Elliott at age 24 is is I think the third youngest driver to win NASCAR championship yes indeed he is the third youngest to ever do it um so yeah i watched around the whole thing because the cowboys game was on at the same time so you know i had to watch that i was going back and forth but yeah i did see the final i think about 20 laps so yeah chase elliott i mean like and that's in stage three i mean like he just took control right like Chase Elliott was determined to win this race, and he did. Third youngest to ever do it, and now he's already at the age of 24, a NASCAR champion. I just want to say congratulations to Chase Elliott, and please come on to the podcast. I would love for that to happen. Chase Elliott, please, if you can do that. Yeah, congratulations to Chase Elliott. And let's move on to our next topic, which is shifting to the National Basketball Association, the NBA. And now we're going to be talking about some coaches that have gotten fired and hired. So we'll start off first with the Brooklyn Nets, who obviously got rid of Kenny Atkinson during the season. But now they bring in former player who has no coaching experience at all, Steve Nash. What do you think? Um, I think we talked about this in the last episode, like a couple of these. So we're just basically just gonna run down. I was, I'm just gonna give you a quick little, probably 30 seconds. But Steve Nash, he he was an all-star point guard, a great player, and he's never really had like coaching like his entire life, like after. Um, after you retire, like even at like not even like high school, middle school, or even like uh, like an alternate league, like a JB league. But him being hired by the Brooklyn Nets is 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 surprising to me because I thought they would go out and try to get someone and try to pursue like Mike D'Antoni or like Doc Rivers. But that it, but it did surprise me, and it kind of kind of makes you wonder how how this team's gonna do because. You know, Kyrie and Katie are going to come back. And no one knows if Katie's going to be the same after his Achilles tear. Because after his Achilles tear, which which is the same injury that DeMarcus Cousins had. And we all know he's never been the same since. He's never been, like, the top center or top five ever since that injury. So, um, I, 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 I kind of think that, like, they would need, like, an experienced coach with, with the job. But... They did. Ha- they do have Mike D'Antoni as their assistant, so that kind of makes up for it. But that's just my opinion on it. So yeah, like I thought they were gonna pursue someone as well as like Dan- uh, D'Antoni or Rivers, someone like that. But yeah, they went with Steve Nash. No coaching experience at all. But I kind of like the move. I feel like Steve Nash. Obviously, he's one of the smartest point guards ever. The man was an amazing player and smart player. And then now he'll be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets team, which has a lot of potential. Everyone's predicting them to do well this season. Kyrie KD coming back. And then they're talking trades with maybe Bradley Beal or someone like that. But now, you know, we'll see what Steve Nash has in the coaching. 
So we got to remember, they did do this with Jason Kidd, and we all know how that turned out. Jason Kidd did not go well, but he is an assistant with the Lakers now. But when he was with the Nets, it did not go well. But they're trying this out again with Steve Nash, and hopefully things turn out great for them. And also, forgot to mention that Amari Stoudemire as well will be uh, on Nash's coaching staff, which we just found that out whenever this news broke. And um, as you said, D'Antoni will be there, but kind of strange as well. Like Amari Stoudemire, no coaching experience as well. We'll see what happens. And we'll go to the Knicks next. New York Knicks, obviously, their last head coach technically was David Fisdale. I thought he was a pretty good coach. But then he did get fired. And now uh, at the start of last season. And then now this offseason, they bring in Tom Thibodeau. Obviously, the former Bulls and Timberwolves coach, you know. He hasn't made the playoffs, though, in second seven consecutive seasons. But we all know him to be a pretty um, hard-working coach, you know. He's a really good coach, especially with the Bulls. But, unfortunately, they couldn't go anywhere. But, you know, with the Timberwolves as well, I mean, we'll see how he does. But I kind of like the signing for the next. I feel like they needed an experienced coach. And that's exactly what they're getting here. Okay, um, I think Tom Thibodeau is a good is a good hiring, but that's what we saw for David Fisdale, which was Reese Grizzlies coach, which he coached um, the the aging Grand Grand Grizzlies to the playoffs where they got the Nuggets. But that's not about him; it's about Tom Thibodeau. But Tom Thibodeau, um, I think it's a good hire because like the Knicks do like severely lack on defense, and that's what he specializes in in defense and. For his whole coaching career, he has been a defensive coach and been a great player for the no, not player, sorry, um, coach for the Bulls. And and um, when he got hired by the Grizz, when uh, by the Timberwolves, sorry, um, he didn't really he didn't really help their defense. Even with like Jimmy, even with Jimmy Butler, um, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, and um, Andrew Wiggins on that team uh, on one year. They, they didn't really improve on defense like at all through his three years as the coach for the Timberwolves. But with the, with the Bulls, he was the Bulls were really good at defense for his five years, and then and then before that, he was an assistant coach for the Knicks until from nineteen ninety six until two thousand four. Which he and she does know how to coach. It's just he needs like defensive players for his system to work. But I think but. I think that I think this would be good. This would be good for the Knicks because, like, he does know the team. He he did. He was an assistant there for a long time, and I think this could be the one that works out. But it's James Dolan, so we don't know. Exactly. Always, we don't know for the Knicks. But let's move to another one, which we'll be talking about: the Chicago Bulls. Which, oh my gosh, Bulls fans are rejoicing right now. They got the worst head coach in the league out by far in Jim Boylan. He was awful. They finally got him out, and they brought in Billy Donovan, which Billy Donovan, of course, in his first couple seasons with the Thunder, 
I mean, well, they didn't really do anything too well. So everyone thought, you know, he was just not that good of a coach. And now um, this past season, you know, he proves that he's a pretty decent coach, you know, leading that Thunder team to which people thought arguably could have got the number one pick this year to the playoffs. And unfortunately, they did agree to part ways, though, which I was everyone was shocked by after the season he just had because he was involved in coaching of the year, a coach of the year as well. But now, obviously, he gets the head coaching job for the Chicago Bulls, which is a young and up-and-coming team. They finished 22-43 last year. And, you know, with, like, their young stars, Zach Levine, Laurie Markin, and Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., and then, obviously, they have the number four pick this year. Like, that Bulls team has a lot of potential. And with Billy Donovan now, an actual head coach, an actual good head coach... The Bulls, man, they could be looking at the playoffs very soon. Oh, okay. Um, Billy Donovan, um, I think this was a great hire because, like as Adam said, he did win Coach of the Year. But but, but before he got hired by the Thunder, he was a Ford Gators head coach, I think, from 1990, from, I think, 2000, 1996 to until 2015, which he was a great college college coach which when i thought that when it which when i when i reacted when he got hired to the thunder i thought it was kind of crazy because like because like adam knows this about me i don't i don't trust college coaches like even at, like for nfl nba like any league i just don't trust them at all because like because like there's like coaches like chip kelly who think that their schemes can work in like the national football in the national football league or the national basketball so- association and I think nine times out of ten they don't work. Like I think you agree with that. Mm-hmm. But Billy Donovan's really proved me wrong because like he's well, like actually, I I think until twenty for 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 his first four years there, like for Thunder, he he was really thought as one of the worst head coaches in the league because like because well, like he had like like Russell Westbrook and, and Kevin Durant at their best. And they almost defeated Warriors, the Warriors, but they but they took the three one lead, so they lost in the conference finals. And then Russ Westbrook is leading the team by himself. So he, he, they just got first round exits, even with Paul George. That's why people thought he was one of the worst head coaches in the league. But now, like with this Thunder team, which was thought to be one of the worst teams in the NBA, and and possible possibility at the number one pick, he has really proved himself because like. It's like pretty clear that like we all underestimate this team. Like this, like we all underestimated because they lost star players like like Russell Westbrook and Paul George, but they got some pretty decent pieces in in there like Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, like th- like those people, like those players can play. But Billy Donovan, but Billy Donovan was was a significant piece in, in that Thunder team that that made the playoffs and almost beat the Rockets. But they came short, and now he's supposed to head coach. I think this could signal that the, that the Bulls are going to be back. I think so. Very, very soon they could be tasting the playoffs. But now let's go to the New Orleans Pelicans, which, I mean, this one has just been rumored forever now at this point. The past couple of years, I mean, Alvin Gentry, they were just waiting until his contract was up. But they finally got him out. 
and now they brought in a very experienced head coach, Stan Van Gundy, who hasn't coached since the 2017-18 season. But, I mean, he has 523 wins. It's 31st all-time. Of course, he led the Magic to the finals. And then, you know, he's a very accomplished head coach. And now he gets arguably the one of the best young players in the league in Zion Williamson. A very young team to build around. And, of course, the Pelicans were so close to making the playoffs this year. But unfortunately, didn't. And you can put that on Alvin Gentry. But, you know, with Stan Van Gundy here now, the Pelicans are a real threat to the Western Conference now. Like, I would be very, very, very scared to go against the Pelicans in this team. I mean, like, if I was a coach, if I was, like, a coach that was looking for a job, I would want this job because, like, because like you can have like you can make some fun that like you can make some fun lives with this team like you obviously have like Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, which he's rumored to be traded, so he, he might not even have him this year. But yeah, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, um, Jackson Hayes, like some great young players that need to develop. But enough about the team. But Stanley Gundy is a great coach. Like he, he obviously coached like the, the Dwight Howard Magic when they went to the finals, but and but ultimately came up short. And then like he got hired hired by the Pistons from right. Yeah. Well, like the next team from right. Mm-hmm. He didn't do well. Actually, uh, he, a couple. He, he, I think they only, well, yeah, they made the playoffs, but they never like beat like anyone. Yeah. They, which was kind of shocking uh-huh. because like. Because like Stan Van Gundy at the time was like when they hired him was thought to like rebuild the Pistons and to bring him back to 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 the final stage when they were the Bad Boy Pistons, but he didn't bring him there and he got fired, and now he's with the Pelicans and I think this could be a great hire because not only is Stan Van Gundy a very a very experienced head coach, a lot of wins, I think he can I think he can. Well, I think he is the coach that can that can put Zion, that can put Zion, Brandon Ingram, and and Lonzo to their full potential. Has a has a big three. Well, it has a duo for for Brandon Ingram and Zion. I don't know about Lonzo, but I'm just trying to I'm just trying to create a picture. Definitely, Pelicans are a very young team, looking in the right direction. Now let's go to one that was very very shocking to everyone. And that is the Indiana Pacers. I think we talked about this one as well, but Nate McMillan, of course, getting fired there. And then now we found out after a couple months, or I think like a month, of not knowing who the next coach was going to be, the Indiana Pacers obviously brought in the new assistant, well, the assistant coach under Nick Nurse, Nate Borg. I, I don't remember how to say his name, but Nate. Just say Nate B. Nate B there. Yeah, Nate B obviously is a very, very good coach because, you know, Nick Nurse is thought to be one of the best head coaches in the league. Raptors obviously won the finals two seasons ago. And, you know, I think this is actually a very good hire for the Pacers. You know, I thought Nate McMillan was actually a pretty decent coach. Obviously, they literally just extended him and then fired him. Like, I don't get that at all, but 
you know, it is what it is. So they brought in the new Raptors assistant, Nate B. So we'll see. I mean, Victor Oladipo wants to go to free agency. Like TJ Warren, they need back. We'll see how that Pacers team does. Well, Nate B, like, um, he, he was on Nick Nurse's coaching staff, which is, which he is one of the best coaches of all time and was in contention for coach of the year, but ultimately lost it to Billy Donovan. But Nate B was, on the, was an assistant coach for the Suns from 2015 to 2017 when they were bad. And then we obviously know that he was um, Nick Nurse's assistant uh, under the Raptors. And then now he's a Pacers head coach, which I'm very shocked that, he's, that he was hired because like when even when they fired Nate McMillan in the first place, I was shocked because like I didn't expect that to happen because like I think he's been doing like a pretty good job because like he's been getting them into play- playoff appearances, like not winning them, but he almost beat LeBron. Like that's pretty impressive. And because LeBron never loses them in the first round. And, and the fact that that Pacers team led by the Jolly Depot, like took a LeBron team to seven games is just impressive. And and not all his credit goes to goes to Victor Oladipo for that for that series. It was all, it also goes to Nate McMillan who's been doing a great job against that team. But but for the other years, it was just all first round exits. And I think it's because they don't have the talent to be to become a super team or to become a team that that can contend. Unless uh, some players step up like Malcolm Brogdon, for example. But whatever but but i think this is like the classic 2k move like when you play mike when you play um, my league and um, you try to hire like the best head coach possible so you just fire the coach here you have like you know mm-hmm. what I'm exactly yeah. I, I feel like i feel like that's what the pacers were trying to do with like mike and trying to hire mike d'antoni but they didn't do it but they didn't do that so he they just settled for like head coach right now which if he I, I feel like he won't be the head coach for like probably like a while now for like, I don't think he'll be the head coach in like five years. Well, whatever. Mm. Who knows? Also, I want to add what you said. Also, Billy Donovan did not win the coach of the year. Nick Nurse actually won it. Billy Donovan was third in the running. Oh, I just want to. So, okay. So, anyway, we'll move to the Clippers right now, who obviously are the joke of the league right now. Let's just be honest right now. So, Obviously, Doc Rivers, their long coach in L.A., the Clippers, now finally got fired, which I, everyone's very shocked, honestly. Some people, but, you know, Doc Rivers is still a very, very good head coach. Obviously, found a job real quick. We'll talk about that in a couple seconds. But now they brought in their assistant, Tyron Liu, who was on the coaching staff last year, and was Doc Rivers' assistant. They promoted him to head coach, and we obviously know he was the head coach of the 2016 Cavs who came back down 3-1 against the Warriors to win those finals. But he was also on a team on the Clippers who blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. So he came back and blew a 3-1 lead. So, But back to Doc Rivers, like, he is the... I think this is his third time blowing a 3-1 lead. Like, at that point, yeah, I can kind of see a firing happening. But, you know, I, I thought Doc Rivers was an amazing coach. But now Tyron Lue is in here. And I don't think he's a good head coach. You know, I thought LeBron and 
the team like Kyrie, Kevin Love, was mostly the reason why that those Cavs won the finals. But you know, Tyron Lue, he's still a coach in this league now, so obviously he has to know something. Well, I didn't like this hire in the first place because I don't think Ty Lue is active a head coach. I think he's a very good assistant coach, but I don't think he's active a head coach because, like, when you when you coach a LeBron-led team with Kyrie and Kevin Love, like, you mostly are not going to get the credit for it, even if you win the finals. But I don't think he even deserved the credit anyway because, like, how, how can you just bail on a team that, that, that's starting to rebuild? Like, that's what he did with the Cavs. Like, how can you bail? But he went to the Clippers as an assistant, did did pretty good, and and he got hired. And I don't like the hire, but if, if that's what they want to go with, then and that's fine with me. But I don't like the hire. I, I think Doc Rivers is a better coach than Tyler by miles. But I, I don't. But overall, I don't like this hire, and Tyler's a bad coach. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about your Sixers right now. All right, obviously you... They're not a joke, by the uh, way. Oh, of course not, yeah. So, obviously they got that clown of a head coach, Brett Brown, out of there finally. And they brought in Doc Rivers, as we were just saying. And this is probably, I'm going to say, the best signing so far. You know, they brought in arguably a top five coach, if you want to put him in there. I think he's top ten, around six or seven, I would say. But, you know, Doc Rivers is just an amazing coach. Obviously, the Clippers, it didn't work out with him. The Sixers, you know, very young team with Simmons and Bede and all those young stars there. Obviously, playoff team, no doubt about that. But now they need to get past the couple of rounds. They need to get to the conference finals, you know. Uh, trust the process has obviously failed so far, but we're going to keep trusting in it. See how they do. Now that they have an actual amazing head coach there for the first time in a while. But, you know, the 76ers are looking like one of the favorites in the East right now. So I'm going to let you have the floor with your team. Okay, first of all, first of all, you you don't you don't just process only Sixers fans do so. Shut up about that. But anyway, um, Doggers I think is a very good head coach, and I think it's a good hiring because I, I kind of describe this as an analogy as other man's other man's trash, the other, the other man's treasure. I think that's how you say it, right? All right, don't answer me, cool. But I think that's what what the saying is, and. I think Doc Rivers is a very, very good head coach, and I think he can be the coach that can lead us and, and has a real title contender and, pro, and hopefully to a final, to the finals. And and it may, in the future it looks more promising in Philly now, now that they hired a GM, former GM of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey has has the GM for the Sixers, and I think the Sixers have a very bright future because. Not only do you have a, a good coach with a good GM, and there's a lot of trade rumors sur- surrounding the Sixers. They're kind of like, I guess, the media circus. You can say that right now, besides the Clippers. But I think I think these two hires show that that there's a lot of that good things are going to happen for Sixers. All right, so let's move to the Houston Rockets, and obviously they fired Mike D'Antoni. He's now with the Nets, but now they brought in Steven Silas. Obviously, 
the son of the basketball legend Paul Silas. You know, he's been an assistant coach and a scout, I believe, since 1999. He was with the Hornets, and then obviously he was with Rick Carlisle on the Dallas Mavericks. And now it's official, he'll be a coach there. But now, like, since we're on the topic of the Rockets, I mean, like, news came out yesterday, like, Russell Westbrook does not want to be there no more. So, I guess we'll see what happens there. Trade can happen. But Steven Silas, you know, new coach under Rick Carlisle, new coach of James Harden and the Rockets, which maybe even Harden won't be there. But, I mean, we'll see how the Rockets are. We'll see if they're still a playoff contender. But... I, I don't know if they get rid of Westbrook or, and Harden. Like, I don't see anything going well for them. Um, Steven Silas, I, I, I kind of was questioning the hire because, like, he has because he's been assistant for the Hornets and from 2000 to 2002. Which, which after that, he hasn't been like coaching or he's been or he hasn't been coaching and, until 2018, which uh, when she was a scout at that time. But he was a scout. Well, no, he was a he was an assistant coach on that Dallas Mavericks team with Luca. That almost uh, that almost took Kawhi, Kawhi and Paul George to seven games in, in this playoffs. And Luka Doncic was doing amazing along with Christoph Porzingis. But I I was quite I'm questioning this hire because like I don't know like if this is if this is a sign of of like blown up the team of just just want to rebuild because like because like we all know that like Wabs that like Westbrook Russ wants out and there's possible trade rumors that Harden that Harden could get traded and and both of them let let the management management know because like because like they did let go of Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey which is very concerning for for their title for their title hopes but we're just going to see what happens. Our sources are are trying to get to what's happening. But, yes. yeah. All right. And moving on to our last one, it's the OKC Thunder. Obviously, they fired Billy Donovan. They agreed to part ways. And then they're uh, they're promoting their assistant coach, Mark D. I don't know how to say his last name. So Mark D, of course, was the assistant coach behind Billy Donovan. He's now the new head coach, which, you know, I, of course I can see that, you know, just not risking anything and just promoting your assistant. Always a safe move, but, you know, they don't really turn out that, not all of them turn out that well. So we'll see how Mark D does, but obviously the Thunder coming off of playoffs, everyone counted them out, almost knocked off the Rockets in seven, but fortunately didn't. So, they're expecting to be in the playoffs again, hopefully go further. Well, with Mark D, you know, obviously he's not going to be the head coach Billy Donovan is, but we'll see if the Thunder can even make the playoffs again. All right, well, Mark D, like, he was like a G League coach for the Thunder, and then he got promoted as an assistant with Billy Donovan for, like, for all these years and so he knows the system he knows his team so i'm pretty sure he's just gonna run the team like how billy donovan run it but with his own little but with his own little twists and turns around it but mark d like he he was an assistant with billy donovan which honestly he looked pretty good out there 
he was a G League coach, which I don't think they've won a G League title, so I don't think anyone cares. But Mark D, I think this could be like a sign of like of like um just I guess just like um just just trying to like okay I don't know but okay I don't know but I think this could be a sign of like just trying to uh, of good things ahead because like you because I think Mark D can be the coach that can lead them to to a top contender because 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 um Mark D um he has been there for all for all with Billy Donovan for all those years so he so he he is probably gonna run the team like how Billy Donovan does but this could not be this probably won't be true because there are some rumors about Chris Paul getting traded. Again, our sources are trying to look to that. But I think Mark D is a good, is, could be a good head coach. And I think this could be a good hiring. Safe move. I agree. All right. So that's it with the coaches in the NBA. So let's move to something I'm very familiar with now. We're going to be talking about the MLB for, I think, the first time. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we're talking about it. So, obviously, I've been waiting to talk about this. Um, obviously, it's over now. The World Series is over. It's been over for two weeks now. But, you know, the playoffs were very, very eventful. And, you know, it was a very special season this year. And, you know, very, very amazing series to watch. So, John, do you have anything to say? Or you just want me to talk about everything? just talk about everything i don't want to talk i don't want to talk about my heartbreak okay so i'll be talking about mostly everything like just like how john did with nascar i'll be doing it with mlb here all right so let's start off with the first series that happened we're going to move to the uh, american league that was the tampa bay rays and the toronto blue jays and obviously the rays swept the blue jays you know the blue jays weren't supposed to make the playoffs but they did as the eighth seed since the playoffs expanded this year. And, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays were obviously just the best team in the American League. Um, it's rather the number one seed, but, you know, it wasn't it wasn't close at all. Like, they just absolutely dominated the Blue Jays. But the Blue Jays are a very, very up-and-coming team. Very, very young team. And now, here, I'll let John weigh in on this one. But... <laughs> it's your Yankees, but um, so I don't want to talk about my heartbreak. <laughs> so we got the Cleveland Indians and the New York Yankees. Obviously, the Yankees absolutely clapped the Indians in this. Um, Shane Bieber versus Garrett Cole was an amazing game, game one, and obviously the Yankees won that. They swept them, and it really wasn't close at all. The Yankees were just the better team against the Indians, which. Obviously, the Indians are playoff potential. They had the Cy Young winner and Shane Bieber, clearly. But, you know, unfortunately, couldn't get done in the playoffs. The Yankees moved on. And then let's move to the Minnesota Twins and Houston Astros, which everyone, you know, bang, 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 trash can Astros. So everyone counting them out. So they're saying that the Minnesota Twins, who haven't won a game in the playoffs, haven't won a series in the playoffs in 14 years or something like that, is going to beat the Astros. And it was the exact opposite. Astros swept the Twins, and it was not close at all. 
pitching was on the side of the Astros, and that's really what helped him through this, you know. I literally, for the Twins, it was just their starting pitching and Nelson Cruz that did mostly everything for them, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. The Astros were just too good of a team, and now final of the American League we had the Oakland Athletics and the Chicago White Sox this was probably the best series of the wild card round for the American League Oakland obviously came back and won two straight after the White Sox won game one and you know Bassett and Lazardo and Frankie Montes and their starting pitching was amazing obviously they have the best second best bullpen behind the Rays in the whole MLB. So, yeah. Chicago White Sox, obviously, just hired a new manager. Uh, Tony Lestella, whatever his name is. Uh, he got a DUI, so I don't know why they hired him. But anyway, the White Sox are a very up-and-coming, very young up-and-coming team, and I expect them to see him back here. And now let's move to the National League which we have the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers obviously made it the eighth seed. Maybe shouldn't have made it in, but this was not close at all. You know, the Dodgers just felt like the best team in the MLB, and they clearly were in this series. Swept the Brewers 2-0. Wasn't even close. Kershaw and Bueller dominated. Mookie just dominated as well. And, you know, for the Brewers, Yelich was non-existent this season. Brandon Woodruff didn't have that good of a game. And then, obviously, their best pitcher, arguably, Corbin Barnes, was injured and didn't get to play. So, but very young, very young pieces in the bullpen. Josh Hader and Devin Williams, who won Reliever of the Year and Rookie of the Year for the National League. So, next... To the San Diego Padres and the St. Louis Cardinals. Padres took this series in a comeback win. They won two straight after being down, I think, by four in the second game. They were on the brick of elimination. But Fernando Tatis Jr., one of my favorite players in baseball, and Manny Machado and that pitching for the San Diego Padres, the bullpen especially, Help them win this and come back in this series against the St. Louis Cardinals, who obviously are just very consistent. Like, they make the playoffs almost every year, the Cardinals. So, very, very consistent team. And I guess we'll see what they do with Yachty if they bring him back. But now, let's talk about the upset of the playoffs right here, ladies and gentlemen. The Chicago Cubs and the Miami Marlins. Yes, the Marlins made the playoffs. Somehow as the sixth seed, and they swept you Darvish and the Chicago Cubs. Who you Darvish obviously was up for the Cy Young, he played amazing, but unfortunately, wasn't enough. Sixto Sanchez and the Marlins down in Miami were able to beat the Chicago Cubs and move on to the divisional, but now the Braves. And the Reds, I thought this was going to be the most entertaining wildcard series. Um, it wasn't. So, the Atlanta Braves just had their way with the Cincinnati Reds. You know, I thought Trevor Bauer, who won the National League Cy Young this year, was going to have a pitching battle with Max Fried, And that did happen. But, unfortunately, just the Reds didn't go in their favor. It went to 15 innings, I think, in the first game. And then the Braves just won commandingly 
in game two. So now they moved on. And now back to the American League Divisional. We're going to be talking about Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees. This was a very entertaining series. The best divisional series, definitely. And obviously the Rays won this series, thankfully. I hate the Yankees. But the Rays won this off of Rodas Chapman in Game 5, coming in to close out the game. And Mike Brasso, of all people, hits a go-ahead home run in the 8th. And then Diego Castillo closes out the game. So the Rays end up beating the New York Yankees and moving on to the ALCS. And then now the Astros and the Athletics... um, Astros took the first three games. I mean, George Springer and Carlos Correa were just on fire this series. Jose Altuve actually got it going and played well for once this season. And then, of course, the bullpen. The bullpen was just very good for them, surprisingly, because they have no bullpen at all. And starting pitching as well without Justin Verlander was still pretty, pretty good. Except for Zach Greinke, you know, that's the game they lost. They won 3-1, but that's the one game they lost in Game 4. Now to the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres. This was expected to be as the best divisional series. It was not at all. Dodgers had their way with the Padres. Padres just couldn't stand to the firepower of the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, Clayton Kershaw proving he can pitch in the playoffs and is one of the greatest pitchers we'll ever see go down. Hall of Famer already. Walker Bueller showing why he might be the new ace of that team. And unfortunately, Tatis Machado couldn't get it done. They didn't have Mike Clevenger as well. Danielson Lamette wasn't there, who was up for arguably best picture of the year, but whatever. So Dodgers moved on to the NLCS. And then the Miami Marlins and Atlanta Braves game one was actually super entertaining to watch. But, I mean, other than that, it was just a slugfest out there. The Atlanta Braves just crushed the Marlins. But, you know, we got to give a round of applause to the Marlins for making it this far. After so many people consider them to be arguably the worst team in baseball. They did get swept by the Braves. But, congratulations, Marlins fans, for making it this far. And then, to the ALCS, we had the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros. And what a series this was. Um, Obviously, it came down to Game 7. Lance McCullers against Charlie Morton, which obviously Charlie Morton is just a pain to go against in the playoffs. He just knows how to pitch under the spotlight. And he did just that. Charlie Morton was outstanding in Game 7. The bullpen closed out, and it was just a good night for the Rays and a bad night for the Astros who have now made it four years consistently to the championship series. Now to the National League, it was the Dodgers and the Braves. And oh man, the Braves were up three to one in this. They were up three to one, one game from going to the World Series. And they blew it. They blew a 3-1 lead to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Obviously showed why they're the best team in baseball coming back from a 3-1 lead. Kershaw, Euler, Mookie, Bellinger, Muncie, all of them in LA just putting out a show for LA, trying to get another championship for Los Angeles. And 
they made it to the World Series, coming back down three to one against an amazing Atlanta Braves team. And we'll certainly be back, but you know, we'll see. The Dodgers are still have all their firepower. And then to the World Series, we had the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And this was an amazing World Series to watch. I know it only went six games, but this World Series was just phenomenal to watch. Like the Rays, just game four was one is arguably the best World Series game I've ever seen before. That game was absolutely amazing to watch. And I loved every single second of them. Obviously, the Rays won that game, made it 2-2, and then the Dodgers won those final two straight to win the World Series for the city of Los Angeles because they just won the NBA Finals. Now they win the World Series. So the Los Angeles Dodgers, after 30-some-odd years of not winning a World Series, finally get back to the promised land and win the World Series for the city of Los Angeles. And Clayton Kershaw, one of my favorite pitchers of all time, finally gets himself a ring and proves why he can pitch in the postseason and why he's one of the best pitchers we'll ever see in this game ever. So that was it for MLB, I guess. You know, very, very, very playoffs this season. All right, so let's shift to the NFL. And we're going to be doing our weekly, well, not weekly anymore, but every time we come on the podcast, we do reactions and predictions. So we're going to react to week nine, which was this past week, and we're going to give our predictions for week 10, who we think is going to win each game. Except yeah. for Thursday Night Football. Yes, we're gonna we will talk that. about that as well. So, obviously, um, let's start off with Thursday night. From last Thursday night, we had the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. That's my birthday, by the way. Um, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers just absolutely manhandled the injured 49ers. Rodgers had 305, four touchdowns. He only missed six passes. Aaron Jones was injured, but still played. Didn't have that good of a game. Devontae Adams proves why he's arguably a top three receiver in this game. 173 yards, one touchdown. Marcus Valdez-Scanley also had two. And then the defense, you know, I'm still not impressed by because they gave up 17 to this Niners team. But Nick Mullins didn't play, I guess, too bad. You know, he only had one pick, one touchdown, almost 300 yards. Jarek McKinnon had a good game, 52 yards, a touchdown. But it was Richie James who really stole the show. 184 yards, one touchdown in this game. But then the defense, obviously, this is not the Niners defense of last year, obviously. Nick Bosa gone, Sherman gone, all of them out, all filled with injuries. But So you don't expect this team to be good. But, you know, only gave up 34, I guess, to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Okay, well, well, before the game, both teams had had positive COVID tests, and the NFL really didn't care, even though logically they would play on Sunday. But like he said again, the NFL really didn't care. And also, happy birthday, Adam! Thank you. Late, sorry. But 
if my my summarization that's just probably gonna be like 30 seconds is like Aaron Rodgers just completely stole his, stole his show against the, the 49ers defense just just had a field day against them well like Nick Mullins to just try to keep up but couldn't and Richie James had a good game Niners had a saw had a, had a decent day on the ground game and um it, that just showed why I think I think that game just this this sealed and showed why the, the Niners are not gonna make the playoffs. Yeah, it does here. Yeah, right now, they don't look like it. All right, let's move to a AFC South matchup. Texans and the Jaguars. This is a very entertaining game to watch, surprisingly. And Deshaun Watson was just phenomenal. 281 yards, two touchdowns. It was Duke Johnson taking the load, 41 and one touchdown. But Deshaun Watson led them in running. David Johnson did get hurt that game. Will Fuller with, I think, his fifth straight game with the touchdown or 100 yards, one of those two. But he had 101 touchdown. Cooks had a, had the other. And then the defense, um, maybe their best showing all year. You know, Jake Lutton, I mean, they, tur- they made an, a turnover for once. Jake Lutton threw a pick. And then 304 yards, one touchdown. James Robinson was just amazing. 100 yards, one touchdown. And then Jake London obviously had that rushing touchdown. But DJ Chark, man, just went off. 146 yards, one touchdown. Then the defense, obviously, that's not even close to Saxonville. Um, but this defense is just abysmal. And I'm surprised they only gave up 27 to the Texans. Saxonville was over was over yeah. since 2019, but but um but the summation for me is that is that like Deshaun Watson and Jake Lund both had both had in, in my eyes pretty good games, even though Jake Lund threw a pick, but he did end up coming pretty clutch. But they, but the Jaguars didn't get the onside kick, so that's why they lost. Deshaun Watson had a great day. Um, Duke Johnson had a decent day, and Grant Cooks and Fuller had great had good days. And um, neither defense really want to win this game. Let's just be honest. Neither defense really want to win. It, it, it was just like it, it was just like watching. Um, it was like watching Aaron Rodgers go, going again, or no, Josh Allen going against the Seahawks defense, like which which is what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. in a bit. Okay, um, let's move to another divisional matchup. The NFC least, as people call it. Um, Daniel Jones actually didn't throw an interception. I mean, that's surprising to us all, to be honest. Wayne Gallman, since, I mean, Devontae Freeman's out and Barkley's out, he actually had a phenomenal game, even though he only got 68 yards. He got a touchdown in there, obviously. Danny Dimes, 200 yards, a touchdown. It's actually Austin Mack who led them in receiving yards. Evan Ingram got that touchdown, though. And then the defense actually really did well, forcing three picks on Alex Smith. And then, yes, Alex Smith got a play in this game, you know. But unfortunately, not for a good reason. Kyle Allen obviously had a horrific injury that obviously was just hard to watch. But... Hopefully he gets soon. I we already know his season's over, and he had 
He's going to have surgery. But Alex Smith, you know, 325 yards, a touchdown, but three picks in his debut. Um, I wouldn't say that's too bad for him because especially he hasn't played in two years. But Antonio Gibson had a pretty decent game. Terry McLaurin and Cam Sims both uh, had over 110 yards. Scary Terry had their touchdown. And then the defense, you know, didn't force a turnover. Um, not a lot of, they got actually got a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones, though. But I'm really surprised by the Giants' defense actually coming up strong and forcing three picks on football teams, uh, Alex Smith. Well, um, D- Danny Dimes, like, again, like, I don't think ever, he hasn't impressed me, like, once, like, ever. And he, he didn't turn over the ball for once, which was surprising. Alex, like, we all know Logan Ryan, like, I think that was Logan Ryan that hit Kyle Allen in the ankle, which was the same person that Jack Prescott. And, um, Alex Smith, like, for, for what I, from, like, what injury he had, I, I'm, I'm thinking he played pretty decent. Because, like, two of his picks were, were like, where you just need to take shots. Like, they're both, like, like where you need to come clutch, and he didn't up, he didn't, and he didn't. But Alex Smith threw to Terry McLaurin for, and broke two tackles and, and went for the touchdown, which was a very good play by him. And and to be honest, I I I, I, I just I, I didn't really want to watch this game. I'm gonna be honest, but I had to. But and what really sealed what what really sealed this game as probably like the worst game I've ever watched was. When when Antonio Gibson fumbled the ball, like every like almost everyone was trying to pick that ball up, like and no one did. Five, took like ten like seconds. That was just embarrassing. And yep, and this and these were the teams that that both the Eagles and Cowboys almost lost or lost to. This this division is so horrible. I mean, let's move to. I mean, not really that much of a brighter game. I mean, this game was horrible to watch as well. Lamar Jackson didn't have even 200 yards, no throwing touchdowns, no interceptions. Good. I mean, he did well rushing 58 yards, led his team a touchdown. Chris Edwards had the other. I mean, Nick Boyle only had 46 yards that led the team. Oh, we're going to talk about this. Marcus Peters' interception. I think you know which one I'm talking about, John. Like, Yeah, yeah, which... which... Yeah, which um he dropped. I think he. I, think the ball I mean, came out he and they clearly dropped it. Clearly, didn't have possession either. That was somehow an interception. Yeah, and like, well, yeah, and the, like he dropped the ball, and then like they wrote it has like fumbled to the defense. It's just abysmal. I mean, that's their one pick, I believe they had on Philip Rivers, which, yeah, Rivers as well. Like he didn't have a touchdown. 227 yards a pick. Jonathan Taylor had their only touchdown today. Michael Pittman only had 56 yards, but that led the team. Like, I mean, Darius Leonard had 13 tackles. Wow. But from the defense, you know, very shocked. This is the number one defense statistically in the league and um, didn't come to show. Well, did until the fourth quarter. But, you know, it's the Ravens, you know. 
They're supposed to be favored to win in this game. And they did, but it was just not a fun game to watch. Honestly, like, okay, I, I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna compare this game, the Ravens and, and Colts, to Ravens and Steelers. That game, like both these games, in my opinion, were incredibly boring to watch. But, th- but that the reason why I'm, I'm picking, I, I would rather watch that game than, than football team and Giants. Yeah. Just, just because the matchup. <laughs> just because the matchup. But that was, that was just um, a. I can't, I can't say the word. A bullcrap call from the ref. Like we all know, that wasn't a t- um, not touchdown, um, interception by Marcus Peters. But it's, it is what it is. Like it's life. It's football. Like just move past it. But um, from what I looked at, from when I watched the game. It really looked like a, even even though that that wasn't an interception, the Ravens still affect the better team. Like the Colts offense just didn't have any answers for that defense, and like the Raven, and the Ravens defense and no, the Ravens offense was really like in, in terms of passing didn't do anything, but rushing did did pretty decent. But I I do think the Ravens did deserve to win this game, and Philip Rivers again showing why he needs to retire and. And just accept he's not well. His yeah. his best days were behind him. And then, oh my gosh, like another boring game to watch. Like, Detroit Lions and Minnesota Vikings. Like Stafford actually got cleared to play in this game, even though he got substituted out. I think in the second half, two hundred eleven. No, no, it was yeah, it was because he got two hundred eleven yards, a touchdown, two picks. Chase Daniel came in the game and did not do better. 94, a touchdown, a pick. DeAndre Swift actually had a pretty good game without a touchdown. Um, Danny Amendola somehow led their team in receiving yards. Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson had those touchdowns. And then defense, I mean, they gave up 34 to... Minnesota Vikings. I mean, Dalvin Cook had a phenomenal game, and then Kirk Cousins also had an amazing game, which you're going to let Kirk Cousins have a good game. So that's how you know your defense is bad. But anyway, Kirk Cousins, as we said, had a good game. 220 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks, surprisingly. Dalvin Cook, for his second game in a row, had over 200 scrimmage yards, he averaged 9.4 yards per carry, two touchdowns. I mean, Justin Jefferson at 64, and Amir Abdullah had one receiving, or Smith had two. And then the defense, of course, got those three picks. So they actually played pretty decent against this Detroit Lions team, who's just obviously not going anywhere. Neither of these teams are going anywhere. Well, I wouldn't say it's boring. I would just say it was laughable. That's the right word, in my opinion, because like, like, like the um the the Vikings defense had had a great day, which was which was the first time I've ever saw that this season from the Vikings and Dalvin Cook. Like he's just been carrying them for like the past two weeks, been having phenomenal games, and now is a league leading rusher right now. Well, not currently now because Derrick Henry. It's not too good because he played today, but 
at the time he was legally in Russia. Matthew Stafford got cleared of COVID and then got then got um, a will gifted return of 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 a concussion. So and then Chase Daniel came in, didn't do that good. I don't even want to speak of the rest of the, the lines. They don't they're not, they're not worth <laughs> of us talking about it. And that's sad coming from a small podcast, but it's laughable. But the Vikings clearly showed why they're the better team, and and, and Delvin Cook is having just is having like just <laughs> went to some kind of zone. Cook has been amazing. But I guess let's move to a more positive game. I guess that actually got close at the end. Uh, we're talking about the Bears and the Titans. Nick Foles, have yourself a day. 335 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. They did not run the ball good at all. Um, Allen Robinson continuing to prove why he's underrated and needs to find somewhere else to play so he can stop wasting his talents here. Um, and then Darnell Mooney, obviously, star in the making right there. We both agree on that. Um, he had a very good day. And then the defense, um, obviously, it's not going to do well. I mean, you're playing the Titans offense with Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, Derrick Henry didn't even have that good of a day. Like, he had a very bad day, actually. Only 68 yards, no touchdowns. And then it was really Ryan Tannehill who did everything. And he only had 158 yards and two touchdowns. So, uh, A.J. Brown... Obviously, had that amazing play. He had over 100 touchdown. Johnny Smith had the other. And then the defense didn't force a turnover. And with this horrible Bears offense, they gave up 17, which I guess is pretty good. You know, Titans defense is not that good. But, you know, this game, they actually proved to be pretty decent. Okay, well, if you actually watch the game and not just like the stats, like, like how we are for you, for you viewers that didn't watch the game, you would just realize that it was just a defensive slugfest. I was boring to watch. Like each offense didn't look like they didn't want to win, except for like a couple plays where they actually did throw the first touchdown. But Derek Henry didn't have that good of a day. Like off, like offense was just non-existent. It was just a defensive slugfest. And like it, it was incredibly boring for Ryan Daniel for, for how much pressure he faced. He did pretty good. Nick Foles again for how much pressure he faced. He faced it on Sunday. He did pretty good, but it was just incredibly boring to watch. Uh, this was probably like the worst game I watched this week. But yeah, I wish okay. I watched the game. All right, this one was an actual entertaining game. Maybe game of the week, probably. Panthers and Chiefs. Panthers, oh, they were so close to knocking out the Chiefs. And Christian McCaffrey's return. Uh, even though Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, just showed out. 310 yards, two touchdowns. Um, McCaffrey had his day on the ground. 69 yards, touchdown. And then receiving as well. He gets all those scrimmage yards. 82 receiving a touchdown. Curtis Samuel had a 105 and then the other touchdown. No turnovers by the Panthers defense. Obviously, you're playing against arguably one of the best offenses in the league, the Chiefs. Um, you're not going to hold them to under like 17 points. And then Patrick Mahomes proving why he's probably the league leader for the MVP right now. 
372 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, they ran the ball a total of 11 times. Barely Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only had 14 that led the team. Travis Kelsey, proving why he's the best tight end in the league, almost 100 yards and like a touchdown every week. On this, he had only 160, no touchdowns, but Tyreek Hill, 113, two touchdowns. Marcus Robinson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had the others. And then the defense, I am actually very surprised by. You know, they've actually been playing really good this year until this Panthers game, which I get it. They have the best running back, arguably a top five player in the league, Christian McCaffrey coming back, which he did absolutely amazing. But, you know, this is just a very entertaining game to watch. One of the only entertaining games this past week. I say like either this or Raiders and the Chargers, which we're gonna which we're gonna get into quite a bit in a bit. Um was probably the best games I've ever watched. But um on, like Chiefs offense, like he just had a field day against that terrible Carolina Panthers defense. But Teddy Bridgewater and, and that offense said said, uh, said I'm gonna keep up with you at and ends and not gonna be a blowout. It's not what they said, I'm just trying whatever shut up. But but Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater did have a pretty decent day. Christian McCaffrey is back to his his number one running back status, and then he got injured again. So, anyway, so there's that. Um, Panthers receivers, um, Robbie Anderson and DJ DJ Moore did pretty good. Like the Panthers offense, like they don't they might not have have the talent of like stars besides Christian McCaffrey, but they can play that offense. Like honestly, Matt Rule has been doing a pretty good job for what he's been given, and in this game, I think proves why. Because like they, they almost just beat like the Chiefs, which which their only loss was was to division rival division rival Raiders, which they played pretty bad in. And I thought the Raiders should have won that game and deserved it because they looked like the better team. And I and I guess the Chiefs looked too cocky against the Raiders, but we're gonna we'll discuss that when they play again, but. Um, Panther, but this was a good game. Chiefs and Panthers offenses had field days while, yeah. while both defenses sucked. That was the sum of it. And then another, like, I mean, the Seahawks almost came back in this game, but pretty high, actually really high-scoring game. But Russell Wilson, probably the leader of the MVP race until now, um, he had almost 400 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Like, he's throwing a lot of picks now, but... I mean, he's, he has everything on his shoulders. Like, his defense is absolutely horrible. And then, um, I mean, his running back is in there, Chris Carson, even though DJ Dallas has actually done really well. And then Wilson had the rushing touchdown as well. DK Metcalf had over 100 again. Touchdown, David Moore, 71 and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett was, again, hit or miss every week. And then the defense, um, they got a lot of sacks, surprisingly. Like, I think in total, they got around six or seven. It's very surprising for a Seahawks defense, which is horrible. And then Jamal Adams made his return. But the story of this game was Josh Allen. Like, only missed seven throws out of 38 attempts. 415 yards, three touchdowns, and zero picks. He did not run the ball a lot, even though Josh Allen ran one. 
for a touchdown, and Zach Moss had the other. Stephon Diggs had 120 yards, no touchdown, and the touchdowns actually went to Isaiah McKinney, Tevin, Kevin Tyler, and Gabriel Davis. And then the defense obviously forced the league-leading MVP, Russell Wilson, to two picks. Um, I think he fumbled twice as well. So, he basically turned it over four times. And, you know, this Bills defense has not been good this year. This game, they proved maybe they're not as bad as people thought they were. Well, um... The bill, like, like how I said earlier, like earlier, like if it, I said, like if it was basically like Josh Allen going against the Seahawks defense, and I'm you're about to tell you why, because Josh Allen had probably the best game I've ever saw from him, which he really impressed me. Like he was actually like throwing some accurate deep balls, which he never does. But Josh Allen had a pretty good game, even though Jamal Adams was there, but it didn't make a difference. And and Russell Wilson tried his best, but he didn't. But they couldn't. And Seahawks fans are starting petitions to get Ken Norton Jr. fired, their defense coordinator. And um, the Bill and this is probably like the best showing of the Bills defense I've mm-hmm. ever seen this year. So and then this one, this game was entertaining at the end as well. You know, we almost saw another Falcons choke. Um, Obviously, the Broncos and the Falcons, Drew Locke almost led the comeback against the Falcons. Just came up a bit short. I mean, Drew Locke had a really good game. 300 yards, two touchdowns, did have a pick, but that's all. Um, I mean, he had a rushing touchdown as well and led his team in rushing yards with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon there. Jerry Judy had probably his best game as a rookie. 125 yards and a touchdown. And then the other one went to Tim Patrick. And then the defense, um, obviously, Justin Simmons got that one pick. I don't think there was any fumbles in the game. But to the Falcons, Matt Ryan, just consistency all over. The most consistent quarterback in the league, probably. Matt Ryan, with almost 300 yards, three touchdowns, of course, had that pick. But Todd Gurley, I mean, not really that good of a game, but... Had a touchdown over 50 yards. Get two fantasy points, I guess. And then I'm, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this guy's name, but Olamide um, Z. Olamide Z had, I've never heard of this guy before, but he had 100 yards and a touchdown in this game. Julio had one other, and then Brandon Powell. And then the defense was actually really, really good until the end and the fourth quarter where they almost lost it again. <laughs> for Falcons fans, man, I feel so bad for them. Having to root for this defense. I mean, this defense is horrible. But, you know, they did get that one pick, Ricardo Allen. I mean, other than that, like, we can almost say the Falcons choked for almost the fourth time this year. I mean, no matter how much we say that we feel bad for the Falcons, but but in reality, we don't care. <laughs> we just find it funny. Like, just to be honest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Alright, thank you for backing me up. Alright, well, um, the Falcons offense played once once again a pretty good game until the fourth quarter. Drew Locke had 
had a good game, but I don't think Drew Locke is the answer for the Broncos, but they think so then, whatever. Jerry Judy did pretty good. Like, their offensive, Broncos' offense has been kind of underperforming this year, but because of, with Drew Locke getting hurt, and like, um, Von Miller out for the season, so that's also a bummer for them. But they're just doing their best, and and the, Bron- the Broncos almost came back, but the Falcons, but the Falcons defense prevailed in the clutch for once, but almost choked. So I don't know if it's really that much for clutch, but whatever. But, Fal- but Matt Ryan had a pretty good day. Julio had a pretty good, had a pretty good day. <laughs> so yeah. the, we're now to the Raiders Chargers game, which very controversial game here, but Raiders did end up winning this, and. Derek Carr, you know, I mean, you can say a decent game. It is 165, two touchdowns, no pick. I mean, literally, Devontae Booker out, he outrushed Josh Jacobs, even though they both had touchdowns, but Devontae Booker did lead him in yards. Hunter Renfro only had two catches, but yet had 60 yards. Nelson Aguilar may have found himself a home here in Oakland. He's actually doing pretty good this year. And then Darren Waller had a touchdown for himself. The defense, um, you know, not good again. The Raiders don't have good defense. So, yeah, that's really it. Herbert, 326, two touchdowns. Clear rookie of the year favorite right here. Kalen Balaj had a really good game, 70 yards, a touchdown. Then Keenan Allen, 100 yards, touchdown. Other one went to Gabe Neighbors. Defense um, did not have a pick. I don't even think had a fumble. But, I mean, Chargers defense was, I guess you can say decent. I mean, they held Derek Carter under 200 yards and Josh Jacobs under, like, 60. So, fairly decent game for the Chargers, I guess. But I'm going to let John right now explain that controversial call. So late in the fourth quarter, Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert was leading, was le- leading uh, a, pr- a pretty clutch drive. Uh, and then they it, it was. To this player. Uh, was it Mike Williams? No. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Hunter Henry. It was, it was, Henry, the, tight, it was the tight end. Was it Virgil Green? But I it wasn't. Think a... They have Virgil Green. Yes. Ah, whatever. They threw to someone. Well, let's just assume that they threw to Vir- to Virgil Green and uh, and he and he made a pretty clutch play. Over, made a pretty clutch catch. It was a pretty good catch against. Um, I, I think it was like a rookie safety for the Raiders. I don't know what his name is, but um, he he caught it for the touchdown. Had both feet in, but but you you can but you can argue if he had possession or not, but. Rats ruled it. Ruled um, it, it, they didn't have possession, basically like the dead prime rule. But uh, but we can argue about that forever, so we're not going to mm-hmm. talk about it. But that's what that's what happened, and the Chargers lost, and the Raiders I mean, won. We can basically, expect almost an Anthony Lynn firing this year. I mean, he's just lost too many close games here. Chargers don't look like a playoff team right now. 
they keep losing like this. But I mean, at least they have something going right for them. Justin Herbert. And this actually might have been game of the week here. Um, we're talking about Dolphins Cardinals. I've completely forgot about this game. Also, um, also the player name was oh, Donald okay. Parham. Par- All right, so the magical Miami Dolphins five and three now just beat the Arizona Cardinals, who now dropped to five and three. And now, obviously, Tua in his second game starting had a phenomenal day. He only missed eight passes, 248 yards, two touchdowns, did not have a pick, did not fumble. He had amazing, he had like two clutch runs, or like three clutch runs in the fourth quarter. And Tua just looked outstanding. Jordan Howard is their running back now. He actually gets playing time after they signed him. He had a touchdown today. I mean, on Sunday. Preston Williams did get hurt in this game again, which I feel bad for him. He's a very good player. Fonte Parker led him in yards, 64. Then, of course, Preston Williams had that touchdown. Mac Hollins as well. And the defense, you know, I guess we can give some props to, you know. Some people thought Arizona would blow this game out. Some people thought it would be close. Because and it was close, and Dolphins prevailed. But Kyler Murray, I mean, was just crazy today. He had over 400 yards, I believe, in scrimmage. He had four touchdowns in total. He only missed five passes. Chase Edmonds, like, he only had 70 yards, but Kyler Murray had over 100 rushing. Christian Kirk had 123, and I mean, like, DeAndre Hopkins didn't even have. A good day at all. He only had 30 yards, no touchdown or anything. And the defense really just didn't seem like they wanted to play, you know. The defense didn't seem like they wanted to play. And, well, they obviously lost to the Miami Dolphins. They're looking like a very, very surprising wildcard team right here. Well, um, I think the Cardinals actually played pretty good for the offensive side. Like, Kyler Murray had had probably the best game I've ever seen from him. Like, he, like not counting college. But um, I think that was probably the best game I've ever seen from him. Like, like Kyler Murray just tried, just did everything he could he could do. Like, Tua, like, even though people said he had a great game, he really didn't impress me at all, to be honest. But... <laughs> Um, for for his first rookie start, I'll say he did pretty good, but did not impress me at all. But Tua and that, but but the Dolphins defense did pretty good. They did cause a fumble like early in the first quarter. But but um, the Cardinals really should have won this. But Zane Gonzalez, y'all know, is a terrible kicker. Well, in my opinion, he is. So you have to keep that in mind that kickers miss field goals. Kickers miss field goals. They're not perfect. And um, the Cardinals defense did pretty bad against against Tua. Mm-hmm. And, and here we go to my least favorite game, probably Steelers and the Cowboys, two of the most iconic franchises in NFL history. And God, this was so boring until like the fourth quarter. Big Ben, obviously, 
had a really good game. Um, he was not playing well at all in the first quarter. He actually got injured, came back in the second half, and absolutely just did outstanding. James Conner only had 22 yards. And actually, this run defense, who is worse than the league by far, only gave up, I think, around 40-something yards, which is phenomenal. Juju had an amazing day, 93 yards, a touchdown. Obviously, still can't stop the pass. Eric Ebron, I mean, literally hurdled someone for a touchdown. Like, how? And then James Washington, with his only reception, had was a touchdown, of course. And then, obviously, um, Steelers defense, arguably the best in the league, you can say. Another turnover, Minka. Got the turnover. I actually don't think Eric Gilbert fumbled. I'm pretty sure he didn't. Um, but, I mean, let's talk about Garrett Gilbert. I mean, Garrett Gilbert um, has been the best backup we've had so far this season. He played actually really well um, until the fourth quarter, which we're not going to get in that. But... Tony Pollard obviously looked like the better running back than Zeke. I mean, Tony Pollard was just flying everywhere. Zeke, obviously, not a good game again. It's just offensive lines banged up. You know, CeeDee Lamb, very good game. Finally added another touchdown to that resume. Amari Cooper, almost like an Amari Cooper week, kind of 60-something yards per week. Nothing else, really. And then the defense, we found Trayvon Diggs out three or four weeks. That's another person gone on the defense, even though he was getting burnt all the time. But, uh, you know, the defense, like, no sack at all. Like, no interception, no, no turnovers at all. Like, and then at the end of this game, oh, man. I mean, Greg's airline was good, but that's all. And then fourth quarter of this game, final drive. No, not the final drive. The drive Steelers took the lead on. Um, I mean, literally four penalties on the Cowboys defense on all third down. Like, they're, they're just, just, you're not going to win a game like that. That is unacceptable from Mike Nolan. And the defense, you know, some of them you can call bad calls, but I agree. Most of them were pretty called for, you know. I mean, Jalen Smith won controversial but everything else I agreed with you know just bad game all around from the defense but I want to give props I mean the Steelers offense is not good but the fact we held them 24 points against like the worst defense in the league like I'm I'm very happy for that Mike Nolan two weeks in a row you've done it where the offense has actually not been good against our defense and the defense has actually looked good but, you know, obviously still lost 2-7 and seven now. I mean, playoffs are basically out of here, like, tanking at this point, I guess. Maybe Garrett Gilbert will make us go 8-8 eight and eight again. So, I mean, this team is just disappointing all around. And, um, well, another loss, and I'm finally glad we're on a bye week, so I don't have to watch him. Well, um, the Steelers' offense they look pretty stagnant, and and is a partial and probably the main reason why I don't I still don't consider them as title contenders, even though Adams seems that's crazy. But 
we can talk about that like in another segment, which is coming up. Like you're right, like right after Thursday night football at after prediction, but whatever. But um, like I'll agree with Adam. Like there were some pretty bad calls on the defense. Like there, it was pretty boring game to watch. And yeah, and there's there's controversial call for roughing the pass on Big Ben, but I'm not going to get into that because I'm not trying to start an argument. But 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 basically, it, it was he he got Big Ben got lightly got lightly tapped by by um Cow- Cowboys um defensive lineman and his pass Chase Claypool and he's all thrown and then roughing mm-hmm. the passer and yeah, basically okay. probably the reason why this goes won. But you know, I don't, but we won't talk about that because I don't want to start an argument. But it was a pretty bad game from the Steelers. The defense came up clutch in the end, so I got to give them credit where, where there, where, where it is. And Garrett Gilbert, former Orlando Apollos quarterback from the from the AAF, did pretty good against the, the Steelers defense. I'll give him credit there, but. I think this is probably the Cowboys' best offense is showing since Dak's been injured. But I still don't think this is going to be... I don't think this still shows the signs that um, the Cowboys are going to win some games, which I hope they do, because I want them to get a bad draft. So that's it for the O'Clock game. So let's move to Sunday night, which, man, people that are Tom Brady fans are mad. So the same... I think the correct word. Oh, I'm sorry, but I think German. But I think the correct word. I think there were two correct words. Disappointing yeah. and yeah, and disappointing. laughable. So, the Saints and the Buccaneers. Like, oh man, I loved watching this game, even though it was a blowout. Like Drew Brees, just I think this is arguably one of Drew Brees' best games ever. You can say. Even though, like, the stats don't prove it. I mean, this man is just making throws all over. Obviously, he's the most, like, completion percentage quarterback ever. He's probably the most accurate quarterback ever. And then, like, they took him out in the fourth quarter. It was basically Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston doing everything. Taysom Hill, I mean, let him in yards. Kamara didn't even have that good of a game. I mean, that doesn't matter. 40 yards and a touchdown. And then Michael Thomas made his debut since week one, which basically half of week one. He only played in the first half in that game. And then it was actually Adam Trotman, Emmanuel Sanders, who came back finally, Josh Hill, and Traquan Smith with those touchdowns. And then the defense shut down Tom Brady. Three interceptions. I believe Brady fumbled as well, I think. I think he did. Obviously, yeah, let's talk about Brady. Yeah, he did. Brady was just abysmal, abysmal on Sunday night football. 209 yards, I mean, it's not bad, but zero touchdowns, three picks. That That is absolutely horrible. They only ran the ball five times in that game. Five times, and one of them was with Blaine Gabbert at the end. Mike Evans... Had 64 yards. Obviously, none of them are going to have a touchdown. Antonio Brown made his debut. I mean, he was horrible. Not that not that good. Gronk was injured. Did not do well. And then the defense, which was number two statistically in the league and was awful. I mean, this defense was awful. Yes. I mean, on Sunday night, 
against the Saints. I get it. The Saints have an explosive offense, but you have a better defense than their offense. And you have Drew Brees, who's arguably having one of his worst seasons ever. And now he just absolutely shows y'all up and just destroys the Buccaneers in this game. And it makes me happy because I'm tired of people saying the Buccaneers are Super Bowl contenders because they're not. Well, um, I, I I watched this game like fully because I was really excited for this game because this was gonna be like the one entertaining game I could watch because I was already depressed that I couldn't watch the Eagles. So I was gonna be like, yes, I can. Yes, the game's on. I can. I can have fun watching this. Well, I did have fun watching it, but it was a blowout. And and if you've been an avid listener of this podcast. You'll know I hate Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I hate him more than you. Like, I like I hate Tom Brady, and I and I can go as far as by saying he's the most overrated player in the NFL history. But if we ever if there's an episode for that, then then I'm I'm putting almost like all my day into that because I hate this man. But Tom Brady. Like giving me material, just making me laugh, having a good time, and just just throwing interceptions, thinking he can actually throw across his body, but he can't. He's forty-three, and can we just say so now? Mm-hmm. The Bucks have committed a crime called yeah. fraud. Like, like the the, the Drew Brees offense that will for the like Saints, like made Todd Bowles' defense look like Ken, oh look like the seat, like Ken Norris' defense on steroids. It was, it was like watching them. It was like watching um. Let, let's say, well let well let's say it was like watching um. The the, Seahaw- the Seahawks offense only just only on the field just playing against a high school a high school defense. Like it was just murder, like it was just frightening and laughable to watch. Like honestly, I this is probably like my favorite game to watch. Like okay, but on a serious note, and me just not trying to say what I want, um, Drew Brees had probably his best game in my opinion, even though he's having one of the worst years of his career. And I won't consider this offense explosive anymore because Drew Brees cannot throw deep, and all he throws to has is Al Camara, even though he didn't have that good of a game, but he still had a pretty good game, pretty good game passing. And I think I think from this win, this I think right now. Saints are child contenders. Oh man, this this was a fun time. Also, Antonio Brown did make it. Yeah, it did make his debut, working. which I don't know if we got time for that. But I don't know if we are. Well, but Antonio Brown made his debut. He did pre. Yeah, yeah pre- that was it. Day. Yeah, it's just enjoyable to watch. That's seeing my Buccaneers getting blown out, but. Anyway, on a serious note, let's move to Monday Night Football, which, I mean, somehow this was an amazing game to watch, especially at the end, in the fourth quarter to be specific. I mean, Patriots and the Jets, two, the two worst teams in the AFC East now, I mean, just <laughs> had a good game, actually. Like, Cam Newton didn't have a passing touchdown, 
no picks, but I mean, on the ground, Cam Newton was phenomenal. Like, he only had 16 yards, but obviously had those two clutch touchdowns. Rex Burkhead had one as well. Damian Harris had 79 yards, but Jacoby Myers, I mean, 169 receiving yards. Obviously, none of them got a touchdown. J.C. Jackson, proving why he's the most underrated cornerback in the league. One pick, and then, I mean, that was it, basically, for the Patriots' defense. Sucks now. And then Joe Flacco obviously got another start. Sam Darnold is out with injury. And Frank Gore, obviously, took the ball. He was the lead running back, with, along with Michael P. Ryan. They ran the ball 18 times in total. So, yeah, not good there. But Shad Perryman had a phenomenal game. 100 yards, two touchdowns. And then Jameson Crowder coming back from injury. 26 yards and a touchdown there. The defense did not force any turnovers, which I mean, it's the Jets. That's probably what's going to happen every week. But... They choked it at the end, man. The Jets had this game in the bag. They were up by 10 with, I think, like five minutes left or something like that, or seven minutes, something like that. We watched it, and oh, man, I was actually rooting for the Jets so much. I wanted them to win against the Patriots nonetheless. And unfortunately, Cam Newton led the comeback. Nick Folk kicked the game-winning field goal and Patriots were victorious and the Jets suck and are now 0-9 and are, I think, they lose this next week, are officially eliminated if they're not already. Well, Monday Night Football, like, 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 to be honest, like, me and Adam, like, Okay, I'm just going to tell the story. Me and Adam were on Xbox just playing some games. We're not telling you what we play because that's our business. But um, we, we were playing Xbox, talking in party, and and, we were, and I had to remind Adam, like, oh, we had to watch Monday Night Football for the podcast. And, and, and he was like, I don't want to. But I was like, well, we, and I was like, well, we have to for the podcast. And he was like, fine. So we watched it, the whole game on our phone, because I don't have ESPN, I don't have cable, and he has it, he just doesn't want to just watch it on his phone. But we were watching the whole game, and, and, and it was just, and and Adam was proving me all right until the, third, until the fourth quarter. I mean, this like, was, it was so boring. boring. Watch, bro, oh my gosh. Like, it was so It was like so boring, and Adam, Adam can prove that story was true. And so back on to the game, Joe Flacco threw some dots, and he ultimately cost him the game. Cam Newton like only threw five times, but Jacoby Myers had an amazing game. They just ran the, the Patriots just ran the entire game, and they won. And they just had like a ten point lead. It was like I think five minutes left to go, and they lost the game because of Joe Flacco. Because because Joe Flacco, because yeah, Joe is Ely Flacco is, is not elite. Jackson literally cost him the game, and I was so mad. I can't believe that loss. I didn't. Well, I I didn't really care because like I I didn't know I didn't really care for anything. I, mean, I just wanted to just go well, and for the last year. But I mean that game, I'm 
I mean, it was actually honestly pretty good in the fourth quarter, but I mean, other than that, like, not worth your time watching, man. All right, so this will be the final one. This just happened. We're talking about the Colts and the Titans on Thursday night. Just happened uh, a couple hours ago, and Phillip Rivers, like, he had a really good day. Over 300 yards, only one touchdown, but, I mean... Had a really good day against this Titans defense. Naeem Himes, I mean, was just phenomenal on the receiving and um, rushing end. So, he got a touchdown in both of those. Michael Pittman had over 100 yards. And, and then the Colts defense proves why they're number one, shutting down an explosive Titans offense. Ryan Tannehill was awful. 147 yards and one touchdown. Derrick Henry still had over 100 yards, but did not find the end zone. And then it was Corey Davis, actually, who led them in yards, surprisingly. And then it was Deontay Foreman, the former, the former Texas running back, who had that touchdown. So, um, obviously, no pick for Titans defense, but obviously, they're not good at all. There was no fumbles at all for the Titans. And then the Colts defense just proves why they're top five at the least. Top three. Maybe statistically they're number one. But the Colts just outplayed the Titans in this game and really just held Ryan Tannehill to a very bad game. Well, well, I'm just gonna say so now. Ryan Tannehill, like he was under pressure. Well, I don't think he was, but he threw like the yeah. ball on the money yeah, to AJ Brown, and he and AJ Brown dropped game. the ball. Actually, he dropped the ball, but yeah. Michael Pittman had his breakout game. I guess first game. I guess you can say that. But Colts offense looked looked honestly kind of kind of stagnant at times, but but they did. But they did put some scores, and Cole Stevens was pretty good. Shut down Derrick Henry, which is a very hard thing to do. Shut, well, made Ryan Tannehill look like he was look, look like he was on the Dolphins. And the whole, and I think what really what really sealed the game was like that was that block time at the end. I, that was what really killed them. At the end, and after like, that, we just stopped yeah. watching them. Just, <laughs> <laughs> stopped watching it was that. game during that block point. Like you could just. No, I stopped watching it after that. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, basically, summary is out like and now Colts are number Colts. one in the AFC South after the Titans were the actually no second last team undefeated, but proving maybe to be a little bit overrated. But anyway, that was week nine and Thursday night football for week 10. Now, let's move to our predictions for week 10 are upcoming so obviously i think me and john both predicted well he predicted the colts to win i know that i didn't pick anyone because i just didn't care um so i guess that's a free space like bingo so um all right so john so we'll do houston and cleveland I have the Browns winning as well. Um, I have the Browns Cincinnati winning. and Pittsburgh. 
I have Pittsburgh as well. All right. I have the Steelers. Our game of the week here: Chargers, Dolphins. I thought this was an upset. I picked the the Dolphins to win. I thought they were actually not favored to win this game with the Chargers. I did not know that. Uh, So, Denver, Las Vegas. I'm picking Las Vegas as well. And then Sunday Night Football, Baltimore, and New England. I'm going with Baltimore as well. Jacksonville, Um, Green Bay. I'm going with Green Bay as well. Buffalo, Arizona. Packers. I'm picking the Cardinals to win this game, actually. Bills. And then Philly, Giants. I'm picking the Eagles as well. Football team and Lions. I picked the Lions. All right, Buccaneers, Panthers. Football team. I picked the Buccaneers. Well, Seahawks Rams, America's game of the week. I picked Seahawks as well. Uh, 49ers, Saints. Picked the Saints as well. And Monday night, Vikings, Bears. I'm going with the Bears as well. Alright, so that was our predictions for week 10. And now let's go to our new thing that we're going to start doing every time. NFL Power Rankings. So yeah, we're starting that now. We're going to name our teams, well not our teams, like all the teams from 32nd to best on how bad they are to how good they are. Obviously, y'all know what Power Rankings are, so... I guess let's just get into it. All right, we'll start at 32nd and move on. I have the Jets as well. I have the right, Jets. 31st. I have Jaguars as well. 30th. Jaguars. I have the Giants. Lions. 29th. I have football team as well. Alright, 28th. I have the Giants. 27th. Cowboys. I have the Cowboys. 26th. Giants. I have the Texans as well. Uh, 25th. I have the Chargers. Bengals. Oh, I guess I missed one on Falcons. So, okay, 24th. I have Bengals. 23rd. 24th. Broncos. I have 23rd, Panthers. Um, 22nd. I have the Patriots, though. I thought I read my wrong. So, I have, I have Patriots. I was just going to say I have the Patriots. 22nd. Um, Wait, wait, what? Thank you. 21st, I got the Broncos. I have the Falcons. 20th, I have the Lions. I got the Eagles. 19th, I got the Vikings. I got the Niners. 
right, 18th, I got the Niners. I got the Bears. Sixteenth, I got the Bears. I got the Vikings. Oh, seventeenth, I got the Bears. You skipped seventeenth. Sixteenth, I got the Colts. I got the Chargers. Fifteenth, I got the Browns. I got the Browns. Fourteenth, I got Las Vegas. I got the Panthers. Okay, number 12, I got the Rams. I got the Dolphins. 13, I got the, the Raiders. Sorry, my fault. You skipped 13. 12th, I got the Rams. Um, I got the Rams. 11. <laughs> oh, and 12th, um, I got the Titans. Oh, wait, I think I read my wrong. Oh, oh. Wait, hold on. Okay, 19th, I got bigger. Okay. Alright, I had 11. Uh, no, I have the at 13. Okay. I also had 12 at Number Rams. 10. I, got um, I got the Titans at 12. Okay. I mean, 11. Right. Number 9, Sorry. I got the Titans. I got the Cardinals. Number 8, I got the Bucks. Number 9, I got the Bucks. Number 7, I got Seattle. I got the Colts. Eight. Six. I got Green Bay. I got number Seattle. five. I have the Bills. Number four. I got, I got the, the Ravens. Number the Ravens. three. I got New Orleans. I got the Steelers. And number two. I got Pittsburgh. I also got New Orleans. And number one. We got the Chiefs. I got. I got yep, Green Bay. Clear. Playoff we predictions the for the yeah. midseason. And our last it segment. It is now come to that time. We are half, more than halfway now through the regular season. We are close to the playoffs. So I guess we're just going to give you predictions here. All right, hold up. I'm going to see this right now. I want to be honest. I, I, kind of want to I, think, actually, like, yeah, our, I do remember mine. I think I had season the, to our I had the season. Saints and Ravens for sure meeting up in the Super Bowl. I had the Ravens winning. Yeah, I, I had, I think I had the Niners. and I the, had a rematch where I had the Niners winning. Yeah, and Saints won, and I had the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. So, I had... No, what I meant was, like, the Ravens one. I had Chiefs two. I had Texans three, I think. I think I had the Bills fourth. Then I had the Patriots fifth. I believe I had the Steelers sixth. And then I think I had the Browns seventh. I'm gonna be honest. Most of, most of my AFC predictions match up with the real life, except for Colts at fourth. I, put, I, I, I didn't have the Titans. Or the Titans. Actually, no, I didn't. Put, no, I didn't put Texans. And the only one, the only one I got wrong for AFC is Raiders and mm-hmm. Seventh, and that's why I put the Chargers. And that and that one is aging like milk. My NFC was so. And for wrong. NFC, my, like honestly, mine changed a lot. <laughs> 
I had the Niners. No, I had the Saints first. Yeah. I had the Niners like, second. I, I had the Packers third. I had the Cowboys fourth. I had the Seahawks fifth. Had the um, I think I had the Vikings sixth. And I think I had the Buccaneers seventh. I think that's how it was. I um I am most of mine wrong. Like I had the like the forty nine and then was in the one seed. I I think I had like the Seahawks I think I had the Saints with the bye and then the Seahawks. At Eagles, Bucks and, and most of it and then the rest of it got wrong. Like I didn't expect the Cardinals to get in. A lot of stuff, and, a lot of stuff uh, in the NFC well, is so, well, 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 like the NFC is shut up. so weird. Shut up. Alright, we'll just <laughs> play and now we're doing mid season. So where they are now, where do we can right, land well, up in the playoffs? Alright, so you want me to go NFC? Or you want me to go AFC? Alright, I'll go AFC. Okay, I have the... Yeah, um, so I got the I'm going to go with to the Seahawks for the bye. I have Packers second. Okay. I have the Ravens for the second seed. I have. I got Saints third. I have the Ravens for the third seed. I mean, no Bills for the third I seed. Got Eagles Sorry. fourth. I got Colts fourth. I got the Cardinals fifth. I got Titans fifth. I got Bears sixth. I got the Browns sixth. I got Rams seventh. And I got the Ravens. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I completely forgot. I'm going right, with so, the um, I predict uh, Buccaneers 6th. Take out the Bears and keep number 7th with the Rams. Okay. No, I put Raiders 7th, by the way. Okay. So I, I will have Packers and, and Buccaneers. So, wait. No, two and seven. I have Packers, Rams. I'm thinking, yeah, blow up for Packers. I have. Okay, I, have I got number three, which is the Saints, one, I think the Bills against the out. number six, which is Buccaneers. So I'm gonna have the Saints winning in a close game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a close game because playoff Brady. Whatever. In a yeah. blowout, right? It's trash. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, I have the Colts. So I now have, enough, the I have the Cardinals and the Eagles. I have Cardinals in a blowout. Sorry. You want to keep? That's insulting. You want to keep and, there and, and switch, and, and or I'm you just want to finish like, until the Super Bowl, and then we switch conferences. Uh, okay, all right, all right, all right. And so until, until I will Bowl have TV, so the number one so Seahawks against the. Uh, it'll be the Packers. No, it'll be the Cardinals. Yes, Cardinals. I'm having Seahawks winning in a close one. 
I have my number one seed Chiefs going against the, going against the four seeded, no, the fifty, the fifth seeded Titans. And like in last year, All I think right. the Chiefs second divisional. The I got Packers Saints. I'm going to take the Packers in this game. I'm going to take the Packers. They beat them earlier. Um, I'm going Packers by one touchdown. I have Ravens and Bills. Like, this is going to be a pretty close one, but I think the Bills win by a touchdown. I mean, okay, no, the Ravens right. win by a touchdown. Actually, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose the Bills. Right, I'm gonna so, we got my NFC Championship, your AFC Championship. I got Seahawks Packers. I'm going with the Seahawks by a field goal. I have the. The third. I have the Chiefs and Bills, and could this be the first time the Bills yeah. make, make this since 1995 or four? It was 92. Right? Cowboys won that year. Yeah, somewhere around. No one cares. Well, no one cares about who won. No, it was, no, it was 94 because it was a 4 Okay, yeah, 94. Um, it's 94, and uh, I think. I think the Bills keep it pretty close, but I think that the Chiefs are just too much. Right. I, so, too much I guess those, we'll I switch conferences. You do your NFC. Chiefs win. I had I had Seahawks over the Packers. Field goal. Well, well, who's, your, well, who's your champion? First seed, I got the Chiefs. Okay. I am. Okay, so first seed, I have the Packers. I'm going with the Steelers second. I got the Seahawks at second. Dude, you didn't have the Steelers in your playoffs, I just realized. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my bro, they go 8-8 eight and eight and miss the playoffs. <laughs> I just realized that shit. They lose. They lose. Okay, well, okay, well, let's say right. that there's seven seed and they lose. Okay, All let's right. just do that. Shut up. Third. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Third seed. It was the Ravens, yeah. Okay, um, okay. Thirteen, I got the Bills. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> okay, thirteen, I have the same. I got the fourth seed as the Titans. I got the fourth seed as the Eagles. Number five, my fifth seed will be the I Baltimore Ravens. Fifth. Yeah, I have Steelers winning the division. Yeah. Really. Number six, I'm going to have the Colts. Right, number six, I have the Cardinals. And number seven, I got the Minneapolis. And number seven, I'll have the Miami Miracle, Miami Dolphins, seventh seed. All right, well, I have the playoff Nick Foles going against the going against the Russell Seahawks. I think Nick Foles plays great like he does in the playoffs, but I think but I think the offense just okay, destroys the so Bears defense. My second seeded Steelers will be playing the Miami Miracle Dolphins and I'm gonna say the Steelers win in a blowout. I have the I have my three-seeded Bills playing against the Colts. 
And I'm going to take the Bills uh, by a lot. Um, I have the Eagles going against the Bucks, and in a dramatic fashion, Carson Wentz shows his MVP form and and, and throws for ten touchdowns. <laughs> All right, so, but I, got I do think I think the Bucks win, but I think the seeded Titans and the fifth seeded Ravens. I am picking the Ravens to upset. Destroyed the Packers, if I'm correct. Actually, yeah, 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 that was correct. Um, but I think if the Packers okay, do win, all right, by I have my first seeded Chiefs one against the, I believe it'll be the Ravens. Yes, um, I'm taking the Chiefs by three. I have the Seahawks in the. Mm-hmm.